1: one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time and Deathmatch God. Bully Ray and I talked to one of the cast members from Young Rock. It's just been renewed for a third season on NBC. And we talk to the man who plays the Iron Sheep on Young Rock. And that's Brett Azar joins us here on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, big news coming out of New Japan. We have a new United States IWGP champion. And his name is Juice Robinson. We'll talk about that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Young Rock. It's the hit sitcom on NBC. The number one sitcom on NBC. And the news just broke a couple of days ago that, yes, there will be a season three. No surprise. And one of the stars and somebody that we get to watch each and every week on that show. And he plays the Iron Sheik, and that is our guest right now. Brett Azar joins us. Brett, how are you this morning? You're number
2: one, Iron Sheik number one, season three. Love it. Yeah. How are you, Brett? Oh, I'm, I'm fantastic. Uh, again, that news makes my entire year great. So I'm uh, I'm riding high right now.
3: Brett, can you take us through the process of how you became the iron chic on young rock? I'm I'm imagining that you had to audition for it. Were you a wrestling fan? Kind of give us, pull the curtain back and tell us about yourself and how you wound up becoming one of the most legendary uh, characters in the history of this business. So, yes,
2: I, I was a wrestling fan growing up. I was, I was an attitude era boy big time. Um, but the the process to get the job is totally separate from being a wrestling fan. Um, in 2020, all the acting world was shut down in America. And so it, my fiance and I were in quarantine in our house. We're not leaving the house except for groceries. I'm working out at home. And uh, I went up to her. And I was like, since I'm not doing anything where I need to actually be on TV or anything, I was like, I normally have long hair and, and a full beard. So this is my my normal look. I was like, I've never shaved my head before. Let's shave my head. So I shaved it, bicked it, cut, uh, trimmed all this to a five o'clock shadow. Looked in the mirror, and my fans say, like, no, that's not a good look. <laughs> Grow your hair back now. Two days later, I got a call to audition for this role that they wouldn't tell me, but for NBC. And they were like, oh, your head shaved already. Good. And I was like, yeah, good and then they just wanted to see what my body looked like next step it was like okay can you read these okay can you do a, a Persian accent and then the third step was okay yeah you're doing the Iron Sheik can you do these lines as you were the Iron Sheik and uh the first the first time I did it all the all the character research I was doing was based on Iron Sheik's promos and Howard Stern Iron Sheik so I was very loud and eccentric with my auditioning. And they were like, well, we're kind of looking for like the at-home chic, the family chic. So it went from, I, I break your back and I'll make you Yes, Papa, no problem. Chic, only family man. So they wanted to see the, you know, the softer side of chic. And uh, apparently I did well with that and got the job.
1: Now, you mentioned, Brett, that this was during, you know, the heart of the COVID era, and you said that you were locked in your house. How difficult was it filming season one of Young Rock?
2: That was actually really easy because they, they were set up to film Young Rock season one in California back in January February. And when everything started shutting down, they shut down, and they moved the whole production to Australia. So in September, they flew us out for season one to Australia. The, the ride was tough. I mean, it was like three days of travel, like just to get to the hotel um, and a long, like a 19 hour flight at one point. Oof. But at the time where COVID was going crazy in the US, Australia had it on lock. As soon as you got in there, you got shuffled off into a hotel, locked in for two weeks And you had to get tested on your way in, on your way out of the two-week quarantine. And then they had border blockages, so no one could travel. It's basically like in the States, you weren't allowed to travel between states. So in Australia, they had that kind of system. You weren't allowed to travel between states. There was no COVID. So once we got out of quarantine, filming season one was a breeze. We could go anywhere. There was no mask uh we no one was really worried about we were testing like three times a week but no one was really worried about COVID. um and then half the cast ended up being from australia new zealand area anyway so it worked out in their favor to to be local um and then season two same deal we went right back there from september to
3: february brett you uh you're doing a phenomenal job as Sheik, and I pop every time you're on screen. In your opinion, who else is doing a really great job portraying some of the wrestlers uh from the past?
2: Um, I think Soul Man Rocky Johnson. Yeah. Um he nails the role. Um Joseph Anderson. It's 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 in his voice. He's got this this silky smooth voice. It just screams the Rocky Johnson to me, uh, so I enjoy I, I enjoy watching as a fan him. I enjoy Andre very much because I know that Matt does not like. Matt doesn't have a French accent, so when he's doing it, and and how they capture him on TV is freaking phenomenal to me. I, I absolutely love it. You know, and, Brad, we... I, I, and also the Rock's grandmother. Um, mm. And, and and mother, Atta and Anna, both of them portraying mom and, and grandma, my favorites.
3: Now, Matt, have you gotten an opportunity? You, you obviously portray the Iron Sheik on Young Rock. Have you gotten a chance to uh, meet the Iron Sheik? Conversely, how much time have you got to spend with Dwayne, The Rock? So uh,
2: Sheiki and I Skype. We Skyped for season one so I could get some character research in. Um, it was tough explaining to him what was going on. <laughs> you know, he's, he's up there in age. And, uh, so I, I got in contact with him, his, his management, um, Carol, his daughters, Nicole, his daughter, Nicole adopted me as their like little brother, which is awesome. Um, but when I first started talking to Sheik and explaining him what was going on, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a TV show with the rock with Dwayne Johnson. We're, we're flying out to Australia. I don't go to Australia, Baba. I stay here. I in Georgia.
3: No, no, no! I'm I'm flying out, and we're gonna film on for for TV. Oh, I go on TV. How much you pay me? No, no, no! That's not my thing. I'm the actor.
2: So it took a little while, but uh, finally, around episode three, when episode three aired, I got a call from Nicole, and they were like, "We're sitting down watching right now, and we fucking love you. You're nailing my dad like to a T. You're everything that we want you to be. You know, publicly for him and." So that made me really, really proud and and humble, as you would say.
1: (laughs) You know, Brett, I I had the opportunity to talk to you in the cast uh, before season one, uh, before it actually aired, Um, and I remember talking to you. Like, what were you thinking? That, like, did you know that this show was going to be such a hit and that we'd be talking about going into season three? Did Did you have a feeling?
2: I hoped it, you know, because you know. not to sound arrogant but everything the rock touches turns to gold yeah so you knew that there was a chance that this thing could take off and it i think the timing of it was was very appropriate because you know the u.s was was down and and this show is a very like bring the family together kind of thing um which is what we needed at the time we didn't need more like sadistic and and harsh shit on tv um so I think the timing of, of this show coming out really helped with the mood of, of America. Um, but what it comes down to is the writing, the writers, the more they involve the nostalgia of the wrestling, that's where we're getting our, our big fans. It's, it's those guys who like are like, I remember this, this is bringing me back to my childhood. This is, these behind the scenes stories are amazing. Um, So that's, that's where I see it's, it's doing really well. Um, yeah, I, I, I I only had prayers that this would go beyond season one.
3: Brett, when it comes, when it comes to your character of the iron cheek, now that we're moving into season three, how much of a role does the iron cheek actually have in the rocks life still? That's, that's
2: up to the rocks stories. Um, he was he was around like he um he even like him and Carol babysat the Rock at some point, so they were very close. So I'm sure the Rock has plenty of, you know, family stories about Cheeky doing something with him. Um, I'm hoping that like because I, I realize there's not much in the modern day timeline uh, with Sheik and Rock, so there there won't be much of that, you know, modern day scenes. Um, the, the latest thing I can think of is when the word jabroni got inducted into the dictionary, and they had their little, you know, the rock gave credit to Sheik, being like, I, I made the word, people know me for the, the word jabroni, but it's really the Sheik's word. And the Sheik on Twitter was like, Respect the legend, yes, puppet. <laughs> um, so that's, that's one little skit I can see in the modern day age, but all the, most of the stories are probably going to be in that 10 year old rock timeline. Um, and I'm sure there's infinite stories that you can tell. I mean, you could, you could talk for hours about the chic just for one day's experience with him, with, with the amount of shit that he can get up to.
1: You know, Brett, as, as, a, as a, somebody who obviously is passionate about pro wrestling, one of the things that I love the most about young rock is the timeline of it, where it's very accurate. Like, you know, the, obviously as a show, you could take certain liberties, but like, pretty much the timeline of the WWF, the timeline of Polynesian Pacific championship wrestling. It's pretty accurate. So for me as a wrestling fan, I really respect the time and effort that everybody put in to make sure that it was accurate.
2: Yeah, they have um, Brian Gewirtz is uh he was a writer for the WWF way back for years. And he's our like, our consultant when it comes to everything. So he makes sure that everything is as historically accurate as can be. And also he makes sure to respect the names of the wrestlers. Like, um, like in one wrestling scene, like I was up against macho and I, I did the, and I spit on him and he's like, yeah, we don't want to discredit the macho man family right now. So we're going to, so he's like, He's the one taking care of everything wrestling, and he's on point. Um, he's really killing it as far as his historical accuracy is, his, and he, he he knows these these guys, these characters so well that he gives us advice on like our, our mannerisms and and you know how we hold ourselves, how we wrestle even. Um, so it's they they're really it's really fun to be to do something so historically accurate. Um, yeah, did
3: you ever I have? I'm sorry. Keep going.
2: I enjoy that too greatly because I would watch Chic and and his wrestling mannerisms. You know, he 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 get the why he'd had the uh, invisible lat syndrome as we call it. His arms would be out wide and his fingers would dangle. And I, when I got in the ring and I started doing that without being told anything, Chavo Guerrero was like, "Oh, you've been researching. You know your shit. You're like you look <laughs> just like him doing that." I was like, "I know, Bubba." <laughs> so
3: now, Brett, did you have aspirations to ever be a pro wrestler? Of course. I mean, what little kid didn't? Um, as far
2: as now, I think I, I, I surpassed it where, you know, a lot of wrestlers become actors, and it doesn't go the other way. Yeah, Once you're the actor, you don't go back to the wrestling. Um, so I think I skipped over my chance of being a, a full-time wrestler, but I would love to get in the ring and do some, like, Guest appearance spots, or, or, you know, come get called out by a heel and kick his ass. Being like, oh, so some actor thinks he's a wrestler because he plays all on TV. It, it, it that'd be fun to collaborate is, with anybody in the WWE right now would be amazing.
1: That would be cool. How how has your life changed? Because you know, I saw you yesterday in Baltimore, and I know you've been doing a lot of guest appearances and meet and greets. Like, how much has your life changed? since this show has become a hit
2: this uh it's weird like this show solidified my adulthood um i bought a house i have a family i'm married like it 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 did more than just career it it, it advanced my whole life into maturity um which i'm very thankful for but also it opened it opened doors to meet people who i never even knew People I'd never thought I'd I'd be associated with because of this role, um, doing the like you said doing the meet and greets. You know, I'm sitting down to, to WWE stars who I idolized as a kid, and now they're like, "No, bro, you're one of us now." And it's like this is wow. fucking nuts. Um, it's like I'm, but I, I'm like a so a lot of times I feel like a po- uh, an impo- uh, imposter, and or a poser. You know, being the actor at these wrestling autograph signings, and they're like. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm an actor, but I play at a restaurant on TV. And I forget who it was, but he goes, "Bro, me too." And this was like a Hall of Fame wrestler. He's like, "What do you think we all are? We're, we're actors playing wrestlers on TV." I was like, "You know, that's a good point." But, <laughs> is it? You know, it's like, so it kind of made me feel better with that. But, um, yeah, it's it's, it's so special to me that I can walk up to Rikishi and go, oosh! and he gives me a big hug, like. <laughs> what like for for what um yeah i'm just i feel so blessed and, and it's it's very humbling Bubba, to yeah. have these guys are considered you know friends um
1: because of an acting role
3: Brett, well, actually, where's home- uh, oh yeah dave no i was gonna say i'm dave that's Bubba, but go on right <laughs> where 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 you live in these days and what is your day-to-day life and what other roles are you looking to get into? We're we're in uh, northern New Jersey.
2: Um, we were in the the city parts of New Jersey for twelve years, and uh, we moved out here during COVID just because we wanted to get away from city. And now we have deer in our backyard, and has <laughs> it's, it's got so bears.
1: You got any uh, bears?
2: There is there is a bear going around, and he's gotten into my trash twice so <sighs> far. I'm Welcome to the sticks, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm setting up cameras so I can find him and wrestle him. That'll be my training for season three.
1: <laughs> dude, it's, I have it. Because Brett and I are, are kind of similar, not obviously with talent-wise and strength-wise. That goes to him. But right, we right, kind of, right. yeah, we kind of, look at you this, were, dude. Look. Yeah, yeah, kind of similar. <laughs> but, but we both moved to the sticks during COVID. I lived in a city, he lived in a city, and my wife, fell in love with this area and like, I'm, I'm struggling with it too. I'm finally getting used to like the bears come in and having to interact with the, the, the wild up here on the mountain. So it's pretty cool. It's definitely an adjustment, Brett.
2: Yeah, it is. And, and uh one thing is raccoons make some weird noises at night, man. That's, it's, it's, that's one thing I never experienced.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Brett. I love it. Um, Brett, you know, the other thing that I love about the show is that it's obviously to, towards a mass audience, but there's also some, some things that are thrown out for the wrestling fan. Um, I talk about, I was talking about with bully, like with the inside jokes about Tony Atlas that's thrown in there and all the episodes, you know, that I, I, I dial out that most people probably watch the show wouldn't get, but Right. if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you catch it. But also, yeah, like, a couple- uh, I,
2: I know what you're talking about too. Cause someone is like, what's up with the jokes with the feet? And I'm just like, <laughs> that's, that's a real thing. Like they didn't make that up, that's, that's Tony. And, and uh, yeah, it's awesome to, you know, actually get th- these, these jokes are based on reality. That's, that's the yeah. best part about it. They're not really making that much up. Um, it's, it's and it's you're right as you're cool as a fan to see it all, you know, to know the inside jokes. Um, it, it's it's very cool the way they work it into the show.
1: And also to Brett, like and this is something that we spoke about a lot on this show. There was a bit of a WrestleMania tease a few weeks I back on Young Rock between Roman Reigns and The Rock. When we were
2: filming that, it's I felt like such an idiot because I didn't even realize that plug until it aired, and I watched it, and I was like, wait a minute. Did they just, is that kind of, we were filming that scene, and it didn't even register that that's what they might be doing. But, yeah, after I saw it air, I was like, oh, shit, WrestleMania 39. That's right. Yeah, we'll see what happens there.
3: Well, if you didn't get that one, did you get that they're trying to tease Rocky running for president? well
2: uh, <laughs> and, and it does it does actually they were accurate with the way it timed out like if like you know, if, if Kamala or someone wins two terms in a row 2032 would be historically accurate or, or accurate for him to run it's there um, I don't ever see him being walking away from acting world though and having enough time to Oh, being Go the on. president is the same thing. I know, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't see him doing it. Honestly, I see him staying with the movie roles and everything else that he's got going on.
1: I don't know. Twenty thirty two is a long time from now. This is, it's a this long is true. time this for uh, Brett. People change. Goals change. Look at you. Look how much your life has changed in just a few years.
2: Very true. I went I went from being known for my naked terminator body to being a Iranian wrestler hated by half the world and loved by the other half.
1: All right, so now Brett that you're that you're being recognized and people are asking, what's the strangest fan request that you've gotten?
2: Um not related to Young Rock or related to Young Rock? Or, or, you know either or so in Terminator Genesis when I was
1: Wait, right, hold on you got yeah I think you accidentally muted yourself Brett there you go now you're good
2: my back you're back you're back
1: right.
2: um when I was filming Terminator Genesis old Arnold fights young Arnold Old Arnold is really Arnold, young Arnold is me, and they CGI my face. My wardrobe was a sock that got tied on. Okay. And I, I told this story before in interviews. and...
3: Was it a four to six, a six to eight, an eight to 12?
2: You'll have to watch. <laughs> there's, there's a paparazzi photo out there with this sock on. Um, just saying. But. <laughs> After I did one of these interviews and I was talking about that scene fighting Arnold where it was the most embarrassing time of my life and, you know, now Arnold sees me he's like, I don't recognize you, you're wearing too much clothing, you're not dressed. But he knows me as the naked guy. A fan like slipped into my DMs, he goes, do you have this sock? Can you sign it? I'll pay you $1,000 for it. And I was like, you want my cock sock? Like, really? like that was that was a little much. That was a weird That's one. That's a little much. That's a little, little much. That's a weird one. Yeah. Um, so that that one sticks out in my mind. Other ones is like, guys want me to put them in the camel clutch.
3: So, so Dave, much. you offered him $1,000 for his sock?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bully. That was nice. Yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Any chance
3: I'd get to throw you under the bus? That's fine. Uh, hey, it's memorabilia, you know? <laughs> resell it on eBay.
1: I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Strange strangely
2: enough, um they kept production kept the sock. So
3: uh yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Now you mentioned the wrestling, because you know, people do ask for the camel clutch. Who yeah. helped you who helped you with the in ring for the wrestling next oh,
2: Chavo, Chavo Guerrero put us through the literally put us through the ropes. Um as soon as we got out of quarantine season one, we went into wrestling one on one. And we, you know, we started with the basics, running the ropes, uh, doing all our uh, balls and and rolls. And we did the full training of a starting out wrestler. Um, And uh, then we we progressed into the holds and chaining with each other. Um, Sweet, Chavo did it right. And he was, it was funny because when we first started, training i was super excited because i was like oh we're gonna do it all we're gonna do all the wrestling they're not gonna have stunt guys for us like this is what i fucking wanted and some of the other actors are like wait a minute they don't have stunt guys we're, we're doing this all ourselves i was like yeah man get ready like let's go and chavo stopped like he heard the whispers going around he goes guys you've seen glow right he's like i turned those women into passing for wrestlers on." TV, they had some of them had zero athletic ability you guys are starting out with something like trust me i'll make it work and did he, you, was, he, did was, you he was he was he
3: was a new respect for the the craft the art form that is pro wrestling once you learned the very basics
2: absolutely mr dudley um and it wasn't about um it's the funny thing is the 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 bumps and everything I expected to be what they were. It was the simple task of coming off the rope. If you do it wrong, like when we were
3: first starting that, I couldn't, I I didn't imagine how much that hurt. So wait, let me, let me stop you right there. Were you training in an 18 by 18 with cable rope or a 20 by 20 with actual rope? Cable rope. So cable rope hurts considerably worse than rope rope so get go keep going and so when we were just learning how to come off the rope
2: half of us kept doing it wrong like we had to find that sweet spot but until you did you're walking around with a bruise across your back for a few days and everyone's like guys what have you been beating your like yourselves up and like no we're just bouncing off the ropes it's the simple little things that I'm just like god like that's I, I didn't register that it, it, you thought it would be meaningless but every little thing adds up to to your performance and even when we were doing um doing rolls I didn't do I haven't done a somersault since I was like eight years old you know and so and he wanted us to do somersaults because so we got used to you know falling and being able to protect our head no matter which way we fall protect our neck and I did my somersault I stood up and I got vertigo and I passed out and fell down and then I got back up and did it again. And I could not do a somersault without getting vertigo. And everyone's laughing at me because big, bad, cheeky can bench 450 pounds and squat 400 pounds, but he does a somersault and he passes out. So it was, it was, you know, it, the respect goes to that. Just you guys are full on athletes, regardless of, you know, it being a, a scripted show or, or whatever. The fucking action is fucking action. It's real. It's it's you're putting your bodies through hell to tell the story.
1: Brett, uh, I'm interested to know what it was like now that you're a part of a series and you're a regular on a series. What's it like waiting to hear the news if your show is going to be renewed or not? I would have to think there's some anxiety and kind of waiting to hear if the show is going to be renewed for another season. Oh, yeah.
2: If if you're if you're an actor And you're not acting, you are considered jobless. And I consider myself homeless and jobless as soon as a job ends. You know, it's like, okay, how much longer can I support my family running on autograph signings until I get my next hit? So it it means everything in the world to hear that you get season three. And even with it, there's more anxiety to it because yeah, you get signed for season three, but then you don't know how involved you are until you get the scripts. So first season I had a few episodes and then next season I got a lot more episodes. Second season I was in a lot more, um, which was great, which was everything I could ask for. Now third season, I don't know where it's going to go. So it's like, yes, we got season three. Great. I'll, I'll, I'll be guaranteed like a couple episodes, but I don't know how many, you know, I don't know what kind of role they, I don't know if like they bumped Andre up to a to a main role and he had these long scenes where he had a lot of um monologue stuff with with young with young Dewey if they take me and do that that's my dream because I, I, the more acting i do that's that's what i'm there for you know i'd love to have this relationship that that Andre and Dewey have on in the third season like that would be everything i could ask for
3: what you're doing now by portraying the iron cheek, do you think this helps you past a series like Young Rock, like what you've done so far? Like, do you, when when it comes time for another role, are you are, are you um, uh, like real? Uh, I'm sure you're proud of your work, but it's like, does this pigeonhole you in a way, or does this open you up and expose you to to, to your range and the potential that you have?
2: I think that's more of what it does. Uh, I think it opens up many doors because not only is it, you know, um, a legitimate network, it, it all comes down to who you work with and and what you're working on um, in the acting world. If they know that you're working with big names and you're pulling it off and those big names like you, you will keep working. Um, but as far as my acting, it's, yeah, it's, it's showing that I can portray different, you know, I can do comedy. I don't always have to be a, a thug. Um, and I can do something that's not my actual voice. Um, but even still, like this gig alone, the the only other thing I was most famous for was Terminator, and that was just my body and not my face. So this is the role that actually gets my face on camera, albeit it's exactly like Sheik's face, but you know, it's 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 at least my eyes blinking you know, that they get to be on camera. Um, so it does, I, I believe it does wonders in the, in the world of my career. To, it's a definite resume highlight where a casting director will be like, oh yeah, he's that guy. You know, you, you jump a couple steps in the auditioning process for the next project. Or maybe you get that direct call, like we love him, we love what he does, we want him for this role, what's it gonna take? Kind of thing. That's that's as an actor, that's all you can dream of to get that direct call. Like, hey, I got a role for you. Not, hey, I got a a role that I want you to audition for. It's it's, hey, I got a role for you. And that, those are the best words you can ever hear from from a casting director.
1: Brett, uh, congratulations! uh You know, for getting season three of Young Rock, you've been amazing in the role as the iron Sheik. Uh you can watch Young Rock each and every Tuesday night. Though I think that's going to change for season 3. I'm hearing it's going to be moved to Fridays. So stepping up You know up, more you know. than I do. Hey listen man, I, that's why I, I that's why I host the show. Uh Brett, thank you so much uh for the time. Congratulations and we got to get you back on soon. Take your baba. La Greca number one. Babaret and number one. Yes, baba.
0: Hi, everyone. Lindsay Rhodes here. A little bit sad that the NFL draft is in the rearview mirror. It's one of my favorite things on the NFL calendar. But it gave us lots of new things to dive into on my podcast, The NFL Roadshow. Who got better? Whose picks left us scratching our heads? Which players do we need to put on our radar now for fantasy? It's a lot to digest. And we will do so with new episodes every Thursday for the rest of the offseason. So please join us, subscribe, and listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Head to factormeals.com slash busted50 and use code busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code busted50 at factormeals.com slash busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Talking about Capital Collision that took place this past Saturday night, I was watching it on Fight TV. And, Bully, you're absolutely right. Think about that main event that we saw. Tanahashi, your IWGP United States champion. Osprey, who feels like he was cheated because he was out with COVID. Uh, Juice Robinson, who just came back as part of the Bullet Club. And John Moxley. That is a, uh, that is a star-studded main event at Capital Collision. And I also think that match, before we get into what happened at the end of that matchup, and also, Bully, and I I hear you, Bully, calm down. I will answer the question that you posed uh, about Juice Robinson and how you can get him to the next level, which I actually think is happening as we speak. But it's also about building stories and also stories that could play out next month At the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. And again, I don't think, Bully, that you can just, you know what, say, hey, uh, New Japan, AEW, it it should be a really good relationship. But what a great start to this relationship to have this pay-per-view and to have this show sell out in less than an hour. Also, judging from what we saw on Saturday night, the story between Moxley and Tanahashi will continue. You're probably going to see Tanahashi against Moxley at the Forbidden Door. But to get back to your question, Bully, about Juice Robinson, and this is something that New Japan does perfectly. And a lot of time in the WWE, what do we see, Bully, with the WWE a lot? We see 50-50 booking. And a lot of times with 50-50 booking, it's hard to get over because you get a win, you create a buzz, and then the next week, you lose. With New Japan, Bully, they go all in. I'm going to bring up an example of somebody that, if you're a newer fan, you might find hard to believe. But, Bully, there was a time that I did not see anything in Kenny Omega. I just didn't see it.
3: You know, here's a guy. I mean, a and, lot of other people felt the same way. It took Kenny a long time to find his way. Yeah, yes. And, and you have people
1: like Jim Cornette that won't let go of the blow-up doll and the Invisible Man, which I get. But there was a time this great scientific wrestler, this great technical wrestler was wrestling against Invisible Men and blow-up dolls. That did happen. But when New Japan wanted to take him to that next level, what did they do? They put him in the ring with Tanahashi. And they had him beat Tanahashi. Okada, when they wanted Okada to get the next level and probably get some of the stink off of Okada from his time in TNA. Bully, what did they do? They put him in the ring with Tanahashi. And what... And, and and what happened, Bully? Probably one of the greatest series of matches that we've seen in the last 20 years happened between Kenny Omega and Okada. And then now, going into last night, who's your IWGP United States champion? It's Tanahashi. Who's your IWGP United States champion right now? It's Juice Robinson. I say it all the time on this show, Bully. The greatest star in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling is Tanahashi. And all you have to do is not only look at the championships and the accolades, how Tanahashi, to me, single-handedly brought New Japan from out of the cellar to where it is right now and continuously. And it doesn't matter how many times he gets beat, how many times he loses. He's still the greatest, and he just puts people over all the time. Now, did Juice beat Tanahashi technically? No. He did it in that match, but it doesn't matter. Who is your champion going in, and who's your champion now? It's and Juice Robinson.
3: Wh- one of the things that I love that you just said is that, that Tanahashi can keep on losing. That's how you know that you're truly over, and what type, what type of talent you are, and what type of talent the office has. Yes. Tanahashi not only keeps himself over because he's a legend and I agree with everything that you've said about Tanahashi, I think he's one of the most phenomenal performers in the history of New Japan, on par with all of the great New Japan le- legends, whether you want to say a Chono or or Omuda, or any other great Japanese star that was homegrown in Japan. Tanahashi had the, you know, he had the glitz and the glamour, he had the ability in the ring, he had a very unique look, he looked cool at all times. Great, great command of Japanese psychology. I love when he did his interviews, how he's always so very Gentlemanly and soft spoken, but then in the ring was a tough guy and a badass, credible to the umpteenth degree. Um, and uh, like we were talking about earlier, big win for Juice. We'll see where it goes. What do you think could be next for a Tanahashi? I, 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 I don't, I, I, it's got to be
1: Moxley. I mean, it has to be Moxley. I, I, I have a feeling we're going to see Tanahashi and Moxley. Here's the thing, and 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 this, I, I don't know if you can give any more credit than this. Moxley, I think one of, if you were to ask him top three things of why he left WWE and moved on from WWE, I guarantee you one of those top three reasons was to be able to face Tanahashi in the ring at New Japan.
3: Listen, uh, Moxley had a variety of reasons. I'm yes. sure one of those uh one of those big ones is what you just said because we obviously Moxley wants to go out there and he wants to do a little bit everywhere. He's not just an AEW guy, he's traveling around. He's doing everything from GCW, yep. you know, AEW, New Japan. He wants to get out there, he wants to spread his wings, be, be a true artist um in the wrestling industry, be a a real journeyman. You know, there's when you're in the world of the WWE, that's all you know and mox you know mox came up in um what do he come at he came up in czw right yes yes come up in czw you get called into the performance center you become a product of the wwe which is a great thing but once you spent as much time as mox spent there you know sometimes guys want and gals want to spread their wings they want to go do something else they're tired of living you know living in that same bubble and he's definitely one of those guys. For others, it's it's all they want to do.
1: Busted Open is part of the Serious XM Sports podcast network. The producer is Gabby Laspisa. The associate producer is Andre Viola. Sound design by Neri Balon. Special thanks. Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Mother Marissa Marissa Rivas Serious XM Podcasts Reese's Peanut Butter
0: Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so no, that's a good thing